Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. If you came to hear the gospel, you came to the right place because that is what we focus on. Amen. You know, the more we do this, the more I do this, the more I understand the call of God on my life, the call of God on this place, it is all about communicating what He did. Amen? You can chase mysteries, you can chase whatever you want to chase, and there are different things for different places. But the gospel will be proclaimed in this place. Amen? Because that's what we have. See, here, here's what we have. We have an offer into a quality of life that God wants for us. That, that's really what it's all about. It's not about trying to become a better person. It's not about trying to properly understand doctrine. It's not about any of the stuff, the programs that we make church about. It's about one thing, and that is relationship with Him experiencing the quality of life that He died to give us. Amen? He created perfection. We are going into perfection. Jesus came and showed us what His will was in the middle. We talk about that all the time, and that's what it is. It's an invitation into a relationship and a quality of life with God as a result of that relationship. And that quality of life is not attained or experienced as a result of you getting something right, it's focusing on Him, interacting with Him, having that relationship with Him, considering Him, keeping your eyes set on Him. Because here's the secret. You want to know the secret? He's real. You know what I mean? Like His Spirit is actually alive. You know, in some circles, we try to have spiritual experiences and all that. I'm, I'm really not trying to knock things. A lot of y'all are here because you've kind of been there, done that, and you want a, a more rooted, grounded in the Word, but also mature experience with His Spirit. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> Can I say that? And that's what, that's what I want. I want to help us grow up in who we are in Him and not be looking for externals, not be looking for the next thing that's coming along to define to us what God is doing. God is doing the same thing He's done for 2,000 years, and that is get inside the heart of people that will open up their hearts to Him and start to transform them from the inside out. And when you let Him mature you and develop His character within you, nothing that comes from you externally will satisfy. It's, it might be fun, and I'm, I'm talking kind of Christian activity. It, it might be exciting. You see external things happen, but if there is not that deep satisfaction within, you're always going to be looking. Am I telling you the truth? Now, you, that might sound boring to you, and if that does, hey, there's like 900 other churches. They're all part of the same body, right? But this is, I mean, it's about the gospel. It's about this quality of life that He offers to us. So, you know, this week, uh, a lot of y'all have heard, maybe, maybe not, I don't know, but um, 
you know, we got some really bad news about mom. If you don't know, my mom has been suffering with cancer for like a year now. It's almost a year since the diagnosis. Not good news yesterday, you know. Um, so there's some decisions to be made. She's in the hospital right now. My brother's there with her. And, and um, you know, we're just working some things out. It happens, right? <clears throat> All of us have lost loved ones, and it's, it's very difficult. And so for me, you know, I'm looking at it. We've prayed for healing. Many of you have prayed for healing. I'm fully convinced that God, that is God. That is what he wants. That is, what, that is one of the facets that Jesus paid for. But sometimes we don't connect with it. I don't put that on God withholding. I don't say that they don't have enough faith. It's just sometimes we just don't enter into the quality of life that he has for us. And that's the reality of it. We can on the other side, and we can here if we'll let ourselves embrace it. And that sounds like, man, you, you know, I was kind of having this type of conversation with somebody, and, and they said, well, you're really hard on sick people. You're putting a lot of pressure on sick people. I'm like, no, I'm trying to help you understand that it's not from God, that God is not creating, allowing, introducing, using. It's not of Him at all. And they're like, oh, okay, so you're saying that God wants us well. I'm like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So we have this invitation into a quality of life because of what he did for us. And I am convinced that being rooted and grounded in the gospel, and there are many, 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 many facets of understanding the gospel. The gospel being the good news about what Jesus did for us, in us, and through us, and continues to live through us. Amen? It's the gospel happened and is continually happening. It is alive. It's, it's, a, it's the gospel, the good news about the kingdom, the, the gospel of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And what is that good news? That you're free from sin and death, that you have been delivered from the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of his dear son, that he is not holding your sin against you, that he was cursed on that cross for you. He became your sin so that you could become righteous. He passed through that grave and conquered death, hell, and the grave. He has authority over everything. He is the preeminent one unto eternity. Amen? And we will spend all of eternity marveling at His grace, His power, His dynamic, multi-manifold grace. And it's like, man, you know, we just get a little glimpse of it here. And we put so much emphasis on externals in this life, we get really disappointed. Now, we have the right to expect it. We have the right to expect to experience what Jesus paid for, right? But where do you go in your heart when you don't? That's the question, right? So I want to give you a little bit, a facet of the gospel that really means a lot to me. It's something that I've focused on a lot throughout my years. I allude to it a lot when we're here. It has to do with the power of his ascension, but what he experienced before he allowed himself to be arrested. And I want to talk about righteousness a little bit and what Jesus went through. So for context, you know, righteousness is not a bar that you reach. It's not a standard of living that you succeed at. It's not once you properly avoid sin, or keep the laws, or make God happy, you're granted righteousness. Righteousness is a state of existence before the Father that He gives you freely when you say yes to Jesus. Amen? Now that righteousness is alive within you. It's a power. It's a source. It's strength. It's fueled by grace. You know, sometimes some of these terms, these spiritual understandings, the words kind of mix a little bit. 
We know that grace is his influence in our hearts to give us strength, strength to our inner man. You know, when we're weak, we need grace. Mercy, you've been forgiven. I'm not holding your sins against you. Grace is because you're in this life and you need some strength. Here's my grace to live from. Amen? So understanding righteousness is also understanding that you need to experience the power of it now. You need to choose to drink in that righteousness, choose to live well within that righteousness. So you've been given, granted access into the Father. You have been made one with Him, but to experience the living aspects of it now is to experience the power of it so that it changes and affects your life in this earth. To rise above the power of temptation and sin, whether that be an actual physical behavior or whether that be an emotion like depression or fear or whatever, or whether that be the temptation to back off of God's Word, back away from His promises, to make excuses for the promises, or, or to kind of, you know, to, to, to just water down the, the desire to experience His promises. That's a temptation as well, is to look at it and just kind of beat, get beat down by life a little bit that you just don't, you don't put the work in to believe. You, you, know, you know what I'm saying? It's like a paradox. Sometimes it's easier just to accept the where we are. And that's a temptation, to let the, let the promises of God be watered down to the level of our circumstance. And, and that's challenging and difficult, but that's where we are. But because you are in this state of righteousness, you can yield to grace and be empowered to have hope, to rise above. So many people are struggling with sin in their physical behavior that... It just backs all the way up into everything else They're because they're riddled with sin. It affects their soul and their emotions, and then it affects their desire and their hope to see the, the Word of God in their lives. And even they, they might even be getting bad theology taught to them that because of the sin, God isn't pleased with you, or He's upset with you, or He's looking for things to hold against you. That's just not the reality. Amen? So to give you the strength and the courage and the reminder to choose righteousness, to live well within the thing that He's done within you. I want to look at a particular facet that Jesus went through. He says this here in Matthew 5, 6. He says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Now, you're not thirsting for righteousness because you've never drank it. Right? You're not thirsting for righteousness because you're trying to get it in you. You're wanting to be satisfied by this righteousness. Righteousness is in you, and it's up to you to let it fulfill you and nourish you and strengthen you. Right? So the fact that you are pleasing to God because you are in Christ can bring satisfaction. Are you with me? This is how righteousness can be satisfying. The fact that Jesus died for you brings you to a place of completeness in your mind and your expectation of your relationship with God that you're satisfied, right? And not just the basics, things like that, but also like with peace, all the fruits of the Spirit. Because you are righteous, because you are acceptable to the Father, when you are pressed, you can drink of that state of existence that you are in with Him, and it is satisfying. It replaces whatever it is that you're trying to drink from the world whether that be booze, sex, money, job, 
the right church and the outer experience with God, all of that stuff can be distracting, right? I mean, there was a point in my life where what are we drinking tonight was like an important question, you know? I, I kind of want you to leave with that in your mind. I'm not done yet, but this is one thing to leave. What am I drinking of right now? Like, where am I in life right now? What am I drinking of? Am I drinking of His righteousness? Am I drinking of His grace, of His peace? It's in you. You're not trying to get Him to bring it to you. It's in you. Or are you drinking of fear and worry and guilt and condemnation and just plain old perversion and even just the, physical, the physicality of sin? A lot of people aren't really dealing with the physicality of sin. They're dealing with emotional sin. Emotional sin is not choosing God, but letting yourself sit and be affected by the world. Anything not of faith is sin. You want to know what the bar is? That's the bar. I, and I'm not trying to beat you up because I am going to encourage you here and give you... But, but that's the thing is, out of your right standing with the Father, you can drink of the truth of that relationship and it can affect your life now. But there's something that gives it power and strength also, and it's what He went through for us. And I think about this a lot, especially early on, thinking about these kinds of things and what He did. Shows me an example, but it also, it also humanizes Him a little bit, you know, because He was a man tempted in every way like we are, yet without sin, right? So that's a big question. Could Jesus have sinned? He was tempted, so he could have sinned. That's, it's a paradox. People get nervous. I get it. God cannot be tempted, right? Jesus was tempted. Is Jesus not God? No, you can't say that, but it's a paradox. The issue is he became like us so he could conquer everything that separated us from his eternal state. I know that's like... <laughs> and it makes people uncomfortable to even think about that, to make that equivocation, but you know what, I'll just trust the Holy Spirit to walk you through that. So you think about this idea of what Jesus went through in light of the fact that righteousness can be satisfying. When you choose righteousness over sin or fear or worry, specifically meaning you're choosing to live fueled by that state of existence before Him, like when you can, like, do you ever take account of things? It's like, okay, well, you know, I've got this, everything's all right here. Maybe you do it in your finances. Maybe you do it in your relationships, your job, whatever. It's like you kind of just take an audit of everything, right? Do you ever do that? You take like a life audit of where you are emotionally, maybe even where you are with God, and it should sound something like this. Like I was like, look, I don't have to worry about God because He loves me no matter what. Done. I don't have to worry about Him wanting to lead me and guide me. That's what His Holy Spirit will do. Done. Settled. Now, I may not be clearly hearing Him in this moment right now to know what my next step is, but I do know He's speaking. That's settled. The issue is I'm not hearing. The issue is never He's not speaking. Done, settled. Okay, so you, kinda, you just kind of take some of the worries and issues off the table, reaffirm who you are. That is thirsting and hunging, hungering, hunging, hungering after righteousness, meaning righteousness not being a state of behavior, but a relationship, Right? So can you put yourself, take an audit of where you are in that relationship with God and then it be satisfying and then find power within that place.
to live. Is that making sense to you? So, but this idea of hungering and thirst, and I'm, I'm going to kind of expound on that a little bit more after I, I want to walk through this here. So I'm about to go into uh, Hebrews 12, which is after Hebrews 11, just in case you didn't know. Yeah. So Hebrews 11, I love Hebrews. Man, I, like, can I go through Hebrews really fast? Did you know the only sin mentioned in Hebrews is drawing away from faith in Jesus? So when it gets down to warning about a continual sin that you engage in and all the warnings that come with that, it's whether or not you're remaining faithful to Jesus. The book is written to a bunch of people who are being persecuted. They have the option to give up their faith, go back down to the Jewish temple, start getting back under sacrifices. I challenge you, look at it. There's a lot of books that do list actual physical behaviors, but the only one mentioned through all of those chapters up until that warning is drawing away from Jesus. little side note. Anyway, back to this. So Hebrews 11 is uh, like the roll call of faith, they say, right? And it's a list of people who they've done one thing, they believed God. It wasn't that they had really great strong faith within them because of some commodity that they had that you don't have. And it wasn't because they, they were like super believers. They just took God at His word more than, us, more than some other people. You know, so if I were to stand up here and I were to make a promise to you, and one of you kind of were like, I don't know if he's really going to do that. And the other one's like, I don't, what are you talking about? He's for sure going to do it. That's the difference. That's why these people ended up in chapter 11. They didn't doubt. They just took him at his word what he said he was going to do. For instance, Abraham, Sarah, he said, I'm going to give you a kid. Both of their bodies dead. I forget the language. I should have looked it up. But Sarah's, you know, she's like, look at this dead man here. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen here, but I trust you, God. Right? That's what we're talking about. Choosing to believe that God told us the truth. And what truth did he tell us? It's all related to the gospel of the kingdom of Jesus Christ and this quality of life that we have. So to, to kind of bring that home a little bit more, I, I like to look at Hebrews 12. And it, this, this was just really on my heart this week and really the past two weeks because Pastor George from Kenya preached via satellite last week. If you didn't watch, via satellite, via internet. Go back and watch that. There may be a satellite involved. Was there satellites? Must have been, you know. Squirrel. All right, so after Hebrews 11, there is a description of these people that have faith. They have faith because they took God at His word and they continued to believe that God would do what He said He would do, right? We have promises under this new covenant. Do you know them and are you expecting them? Or are you wondering if He really said those things for you? That's the issue. So then you look at what Jesus did, right? So when you are tempted, whether it be physical behavior, emotional behavior, or even backing away from the Word of God to not take God at His Word, you know, I mean, what if Abraham and Sarah would have doubted? Well, I just don't know about that. Back to the garden. Did God really say? You know, I mean, that, that original lie is still the main one being used against humanity, questioning, did God really say? We, you know, who knows? There's a lot of fact. I mean, God's pretty smart. 
He's probably got an infinite amount of ways to accomplish his will, right? I'm sure he does. And what he set out to do, he would do. I'm not saying that we would have never had Jesus. I'm just saying it might not have come through Abraham and Sarah. It might have been somebody else, right? So you get to Hebrews 12. And so let me just read through this and then I'll kind of talk us through it as we go. So after these people that trusted God, you have this. Hebrews 12, verse 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Now, if you go back, he's not even really talking about physical sin, like those behaviors that we love to beat people up and judge people over. Although that is included, he's talking more about where you are in your heart toward God. He's talking about, are you, do you actually believe that God will do what He said He would do? Do you know what He said He would do for you? Right? Like, is your life built on His promises? Or is it wondering if He's going to show up for you or not? Since we are, so let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles. Now, some of you have a particular sin very clearly identified in your mind right now. I pray that you give that to Him. I pray that you let Him minister to you and strengthen you above the power of that thing and you let go of it. And you, you in about what, I am going to give you the secret right now of how to conquer temptation and not give in to sin if you'll choose it. And it's not that hard. If you, it's not hard to understand, but hard to choose sometimes. Uh, so let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before Him, He endured the cross. What's that joy? Take your finger like this and do like this. You. That word joy. For. Put your name right there. For my name set before Him, He endured the cross. Like, like, think of, like, actually do that. In your mind, look at that, that word joy, put your name in there. For you, he endured the cross. Now, that's not just good information. There's power that comes with that, all right? So, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, there's a lot that happened in between there of him becoming cursed, uh, going into the grave, conquering death, hell, and the grave, rising again with His own blood, passing into eternity, cleansing that heavenly holy of holies, offering to mankind His Spirit unto salvation, all of that, and seating at, sitting at the right hand of the fire. But all of that, so what, I, what I'm about to read, it's just been really powerful for me for a couple of weeks to think about what, what, what this is about to describe, specifically in terms of being tempted in your mind and in your heart not even really with behaviors, but heart postures, right? So, but it can apply to physical behavior as well. And, and this is it. It's consider Him, say consider him, consider him, who endured, so set aside the sin that easily besets you. Consider these people of faith. He's the author and the finisher of faith. He did it for you because He loves you. It brings joy to Him to bring you into His kingdom. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Now, verse, uh, I'm going to take it off for just a minute. 
verse, that verse, consider, consider him who experienced persecution from sinners. That's unique to this particular audience that he's writing to because many of them were being arrested and killed because of their faith. And in fact, he was warning them, don't give up your faith because of what's happening to you. So that's unique to them. You know, I just, I just saw a thing in, in uh, Iran that like, they're at, like, like the mosques, are, most of them are empty, and the younger generation is looking at the 40-year regime of Ayatollah, Khomeini, I guess that is, that's the Iran guy, right? And they're recognizing that the, the deception within the, the regime, the inconsistencies within the faith, within those books, and, and it's kind of like an educated people are realizing the, the lie, right? And so they're rebelling against it, and they're turning away from it. But what's happening is amongst a lot of the women, Jesus is just in, growing like wildfire. You know, so they're not, they're, not tr they're not translating, or they're not replacing an old ideology for a new one. They're cutting through all of the stuff and finding a relationship with Jesus. And it's spreading. And it's not because they're necessarily going and, and, and creating churches and all this stuff. It's like people are looking at, they're looking for truth and they find it in these circles. I don't really know like what of it looks like. It's obviously underground, but it, it's growing. People are finding truth and it, it makes a difference. So back to this. Uh, Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. He experienced it. You might experience it. Don't grow weary and lose heart if you're persecuted for your faith because he went through it too. In your, now, this right here, this verse 4, man, it just, it's just been powerful. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane, before he was arrested, he, we all know the story. Most of us do. He prayed, and he was experiencing this stress to the point that he shed blood. Why did he shed blood? People like make stuff up, but it's, it says right here. This is why he shed blood, because he was resisting sin. Jesus, in the garden, had to resist sin so strongly that he shed blood. It's not talking about shedding blood to provide salvation. It's talking about in the garden when he prayed and he shed blood, right? It's because of the temptation that he, his flesh was so tempted to not go through with what God had called him to do that he fought against his own flesh, his mortal body, to the degree that he shed blood. How do we know that he was trying to fight temptation? Because three different times he went to the Father and said, can we please, can this lot in life, can this cup, can this task that you've called me to, can we please do it another way? He asked God to not have to go through with it. Three different times he asked God, can we please do this another way? Do you think he was lying? Like, do you think he was faking? Do you think that was just God putting on a sham so that we would be appreciative? Or do you think that Jesus, the human, was really fighting against 
choosing to not go through with going to that cross. And because He chose it in all of its shame, you have that same power within you to resist and overcome temptation and sin. It's a big, 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 big deal because He faced it and He defeated it for you as you. So the next time you are struggling, the next time that wave rolls in, now see, it's deceptive because a lot of us have emotional sin that we just kind of call depression or fear. And I'm not saying you're in sin because you have depression. I'm just saying how, where you go in your heart toward God is what determines whether or not it's of faith, right? It's not a sin to have a bad emotion, but where you go in your heart toward God might lead toward sinfulness, i.e. not of faith, right? Because anything of, not of faith is sin. That's the standard. So the fact that you're depressed doesn't mean you're a sinner, but where you let it, where you go in your heart toward Him, do you dig into Him? Do you consider Him, right? This is what we're talking. We're talking about real life stuff here. We're talking about looking at Jesus, considering Him, the author and finisher of our faith, the one who went through what He went through because He loved us to set humans free from the power of sin and death. Can you in your life be encouraged by what He went through and then let that power that He drew from rise up within you as well. The world is starving for Christians who are actually empowered by the faith that we have. Not just doing miracles. I mean, that kind of comes as a byproduct. We should be doing that. But the fact that you don't give in to that stuff that they're giving in to, right? And you can have that power. We love to quote that the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is giving life to your physical body, but the same Spirit that Jesus drew from to overcome temptation is giving strength to you in your temptation as well. Amen? And so it's thirsting after righteousness. It's thirsting after experiencing and preserving this relationship that you have with God. You cannot earn your way into it. You cannot keep it through behavior. You can only experience the gift that He's given you. But does your soul thirst after righteousness? Does your soul thirst after uprightness? Or when you get down in your soul, where do you go toward the world? I just play around with this a little bit and this will be fulfilling. And I can handle the, I can handle the level of guilt that comes with this behavior. I'm good with that. At least I'm not doing that. Hello? I know, I didn't mean to point at you. <laughs> Probably you. <laughs> Thirsting after righteousness is not, I don't have any, I need some. It's, I understand who I am in Him, and I want to be fed in my soul in accordance with who I really am so that it affects me and I'm satisfied. I don't know about you, but if you've ever struggled with addiction or you've ever struggled with particular behaviors that you, you just know is sin, and, and you start to gain some victory over it, and you choose life and you can resist it, and you walk away and you just don't even really want it. In fact, you see it, you might even see it coming. You're like, oh, I know you. <laughs> I'm going to point that. I know you. Like you can see it coming, right? You know how the, you know the best way to avoid sin? Avoid the opportunity. But that internal emotional sin is hard to avoid sometimes. 
But when you see it coming, can you dig into what He's done for you? Can your soul... My soul is thirsting for emotional fulfillment in this moment. And even when depression and fear and anxiety and worry feels like it's accomplishing something, recognize that it's not. And can you draw and, and be filled with peace? Because peace is what you drink out of righteousness. Righteousness is the relationship with you're in God, with, that you're in with God. Because I am in right relationship with God, because He is not holding my sin against me, because I have peace with Him, I can draw on peace when my soul is thirsty. And all of our souls get thirsty. Are you with me? I would ask you, remember that. What am I drinking? What am I drinking right now? When you're out in your life and you're getting tempted and you got all these things and life happens, what am I drinking? Am I drinking? Am I drinking of the emotion that's a byproduct of this relation of this situation, right? Or is there a fruit of God within me that I can drink from? See, because there's got to be an, an actual, real interaction with the Spirit of God in us, not in some flaky way, but His life is in you. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. The same Spirit that Jesus drew from to overcome temptation. It's in you, and you can choose it, and it is satisfying. But when you do that, like, like how many of you have done that? You've overcome some type of addiction. It's in your past, and you know what I'm talking about. Raise your hand. Just lift up your hand. Yep. If you don't know what I'm talking like if you don't know what it feels like internally to see it coming, and recognize it for what it is, and turn away from it, and set it aside like he says here, as you're considering him and you're leaning on him as the finisher of your faith, to the point that it's not even a temptation for you any longer, that is incredibly satisfying. It can turn into self-righteousness, be careful. It can turn into pride, be careful. But it's incredibly satisfying. Like to not struggle anymore? It's possible. It is possible because Jesus did it for you. Amen? And He gives you the power to do so as well. And you can... So when you know that you're free, like He's not holding... You know the new covenant is why we preach so much on it. So that when you get into your real life, you've got a database to draw from of truth and identity of who you are in Him understanding the new covenant, understanding that you're at peace with Him, understand all of these promises. I'm just lifting them right out of Scripture. A promise of the new covenant was, I will give you a new heart. You will be in right standing with me. I will no longer be holding your sins against you. Because of all that, you don't have to worry about Him judging you so you're free. And in freedom, you can manage your freedom well and better. But if you're, you know, the strength of sin is the law. If you're always wondering if you're in sin... That is powerful to reinforce sin. The, the, it, like if you read the Old Covenant or like the Beatitudes or some of Jesus' sermons and you feel guilty and think that I will never be able to live up to that, I wonder if I'm even saved, good job. That's exactly what some of that stuff is supposed to do. Make you realize and understand that you cannot live up to it on your own. But with God all things are possible. Amen? So this power that we have, you know, your soul gets thirsty. I'm kind of thirsty right now. I'm going to think I'm taking a drink of water. You know, think, think about that. What does your soul thirst after? 
I mean, is it relationship? Is it finances? Legitimate stuff. I'm not saying bad stuff. Is it success? Is it to see your call, the call of God on your life fulfilled, right? What are you thirsting at? What do you want? You're thirsty. And what are you going to drink to bring satisfaction to that? It's a big deal. So here's a little bit of homework, and we'll end on this. This is, a, this is Psalm 63. And, you know, you can, you can apply this homework however you like, taking this, what I've talked about today, knowing what he went through for you, but the, the power, that just the, the fact that... So we have, a, we have a high priest who is touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He knows what you're going through. He just knows because he's gone through it. He went through everything a human could go through. And if he didn't in his walking life, he did either on the cross or in the grave. He's, he's our victory. He gained that victory and gives us the power to have it. Amen? I could go into like sermon number two, but I'm going to go, we'll just, we'll finish with this. So this, this will be your homework. Use this as a meditative prayer exercise, however you want to do it this week. Take it, read it in the morning, read it at night, read it all day long. I don't know, whatever works for you. I would recommend even at least at night and, 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 and personalize it, right? Ask these questions. Am I really interacting with his spirit? And you may not even understand what that even looks like. I don't sometimes, you know. All I know is that he's real. He loves me. He's in me. Sometimes this is all I know. And he's talking. He's giving me whatever I need for that situation. And so it's like I'm just going to have to let all the stuff go and just let myself draw on him from the spirit. So Psalm 63. There's a couple of passages at the end I'm leaving off, but... Verse 1, O oh God, you are my God. So it's like it almost starts with worship, right? So take a deep breath for just a minute. Relax. Put yourself in a, you know, you're at peace. Just say this, I'm at peace with God. Let your brain slow down a minute. You are my God. Earnestly, I will seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body yearns for you in a dry and weary land without water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and glory because your loving devotion is better than life. Like you can tell if you believe something because you read it and it's like, oh, better than life. You get that, oh, you know what I'm talking about? Like you say something, you read a scripture, and inwardly, your heart will tell you if you agree with it or not. Like, do you really believe that he's better than life? I had a little for a minute, and so you stop, shift, yes. You embrace it. You let your heart be changed and reinforced by it, right? You get your emotions to agree with what he's saying. You repent, You are, your loving devotion is better than life. My lips will glorify you, so I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift my hands. 
So in your name means in his authority. Lifting your, lifting your hands in his name is a surrender. It's an acknowledgement. I will lift my hands to the authority of who you are. You are the preeminent one. You are my Lord and my God. You are acknowledging who he is. That is lifting your hands in his name, in his authority. My soul is satisfied as with the richest of foods. With joyful lips, my mouth will praise you. Some of us have begrudging lips when we praise Him, but joyful. <clears throat> when I remember you on my bed, I think of you through the watches of the night. You ever wake up, one, two, three, four, five in the morning, and that emotion is like... You know, some of you might sense a presence in the room. It can happen. You know, the enemy's a slippery little son of a gun. He'll come in and mess with you. But you know what? Aside from that, I'm just talking about what's going on in your heart. When you wake up in the middle of the night and you start doing that life audit and you determine everything to be failing and you're wondering how in the world you're even going to live and you start thinking about the future and, and is this going to work? Am I making the greatest mistake of my life? You know what I'm talking about. It might be 2 o'clock in the afternoon. You start going through that life audit. Ooh. And you're laying there and you're like, oh, just give me some YouTube. Give me something. I don't want to think these thoughts right now. I'm telling you, man, if you can learn how to do this in those moments, you are, you're like Jesus. And he says, the enemy comes and he's got nothing in me. Nothing. Right? But what, a lot of times we don't want to deal with that stuff. We don't want to feel the emotions in a moment like that. We don't want to have the thoughts in a moment like that. So then we choose other stuff, right? A distraction. Give me something to distract me. I don't want to have to deal with this right now. I'll remember you on my bed. I think of you through the watches of the night for you are my help. I will sing for joy in the shadow of your wings. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. Can you say that? My soul clings. Like, is that real for you? Does your soul cling to him? A lot of times, a lot of people, a lot of Christians have a view of God. He's over there somewhere. Like he's opened the door to heaven. He's cheering me on. And he says, I hope you make it. By the way, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Definitely don't do that. No, He's in you. He's one with you. He is leading you and guiding you. And He's for you. He is not against you. Amen? And He will satisfy your soul if you let Him. If you let Him. He's not resisting. He's not withholding. He wants it for you. Do you know how to choose it? Do you know what I'm talking about? Last verse, one more time. My soul clings to you. Just tell him that. Just as we close in prayer, my soul clings to you, Lord. Not out of desperation, not out of fear, not out of I am aware of this incredible lack in my life. I hope you come through for me. No, you affirm to yourself who he is. You are a provider. You have already faced and conquered this in some form in your human life, 
in your life on this planet. And because I am in you, I have that same power. I trust you, Lord. I open my heart to receive wisdom of how to cling to you from my soul, of how to drink in that righteousness that I already have, of how to live out of that place of acceptance with you, of how to not back away from your promises, of how to not let life's circumstances water down my expectations of your word in my life, no matter what. I trust you. I love you. I yield to your spirit. You know, and, and so some of you may have different types of imaginations and different things that you walk yourself through to experience. There are prophetic acts oftentimes that can be very powerful, like the prophetic act of, you know, you're drinking in from your spirit. You know, you, you, you've ever heard like in a, some type of meditation or something to breathe through your stomach. Like try that. So like, I'm going to give you a two-step thing here. Take a deep breath and as if you're breathing through your stomach. Now you couple that with the fact that His peace is in you and it's like you're drawing that into the cells of your body. You're drawing that into your soul and into your emotions. It becomes a reality in your emotions and in your mind and even in your expectations because you are at peace with God that He is faithful and that those promises are a reality for you. Let's take one more deep breath. Jesus, we love you and we trust you. We thank you. We thank you that you gave us an imagination. We thank you that you gave us your spirit to teach us and lead us and guide us. And when my soul is thirsty, I will choose righteousness and be satisfied. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. And thank you to those of you who support Forward Ministries financially. You truly are changing the way the world sees God. You're helping people detox from performance-based religion and experience God's love for them. We're committed to helping you renew your mind so you'll experience transformation and move forward in every area of your life. I pray you're making this hard journey. Visit my website at clintbyers.com for hundreds of free teachings and articles that will empower you to renew your mind and put on your eternal identity in Christ. I'm especially excited about my tools for transformation that have original music and modern technology designed to help you slow down and connect with the Spirit of God in your heart. I'd like to invite you to partner with Forward Ministries. Help us continue to spread the gospel and develop resources that are empowering people to grow in their identity in Christ. Thank you again for joining me. I pray God's blessings and promises over you and your family today.